Welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast, where we discuss dynasty strategy, rankings, and all things NFL. So get ready to geek out on fantasy football with your host, Rich Dotson. Welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast Nerd Herd Edition. I am your host, Rich Dotson. Here are my fellow nerds, Matt O'Hara. Hey, hey. And Garrett Price. How's it going? So today we're here in the Nerd episode. Now, we just did a lot of the rookie breakdown prospects uh, of these prospects. So we're going to do a a two-round super flex tight end premium draft. This is to let everybody know they're in a a rookie draft, how we would take them in what order. We conducted a draft prior to this episode where the three of us each went down the list of who we would take on who is available in a super flex tight end premium league. So there's not a lot of room here for debate to go back and forth of why some player took another player here. So we'll just let the person take their player, explain why they took the player, and went on. It's just a mock draft. So here we are. We're going to kick it into it. There's no need for buildup, no need to talk for the next five minutes like I always do and tell you how good of a job <laughs> I did here and how bad of a job Matt and Garrett did here or any of this. It's going to be a quicker show as long as I stop talking. I'm going to say, you always it. warn people and be like, this will be a fast one. And then it's and then like a, an hour. And then you're going to make a pick. I'm like, what is wrong with that stupid ass pick? You should have taken this guy because I like him more. <laughs> so Matt is on the, the order. is going to be Matt O'Hara, Rich Dotson, Garrett Price in that order. Uh, and we'll rotate through here. This is super flex, tight end premium, no counter, no counter back and forth. Us making the picks, explain why we made the picks. And then the next person goes on the clock. Matt, right. the 2021 rookie tight end premium super flex mock draft <laughs> is now open here in Cleveland. You are on the clock. Wow. We're really burning through this with quickness. Yeah, uh, here we go. <laughs> 1.01. I mean, it's that was introduction. Over. <laughs> 1.01. Uh, it's the obvious pick. I'm going Trevor Lawrence. Um, generational. All right, let's talk about talent. this. <laughs> <laughs> generational talent. One of the highest rated guys since who knows? Ever. Manning. Yeah. So he, he's amazing. Uh, he, there's no hesitation here. You should just take Trevor Lawrence, move on with your day. Have a great time. Easiest pick of any draft at all this year is if you're in a super flex league it's trevor lawrence yep easily yep so i'm gonna clock here at one two um a lot of people are gonna go trey lance here justin fields but i'm sticking with my guns i'm going zach wilson he was my favorite quarterback on tape that i watched coming into this process he's the number two overall pick in this draft and what's funny about it as well is like you didn't hear during commentary or throughout this process like there's no way Zach Wilson should be the number two prospect i mean you're a guy say what happened to justin fields what about trey lance or that but there wasn't really a lot of hate on Zach Wilson, which is odd because you do see a lot of that, but I really love his playing style. I love, again, he reminds me of Baker Mayfield. We mentioned on the last show, he goes into a situation where they improve the offensive line with Becton, uh, Vera Tucker uh, on the, on, uh, is it Vera Tucker? Elijah Vera yeah. Tucker mm-hmm. uh, uh, at left guard at USC. They took him in the first round there to still the left side. Adam Michael Carter Jr. with Chris Herndon, all these weapons. Zach Wilson's in a really good spot here because he's got Denzel Mims for the next three years. He's got Elijah Moore for the next four years, and he's got Corey Davis for the next three years. So he's lined up with a receiving core that is very talented for the next 
for the for the rest of his career to start here, and whichever one of those guys pans out and gets a good rapport with him, are going to be a law be a jet for a very long time as well. I love Denzel Mims; his his value gets a little murky here, but I still absolutely love Zach Wilson in Superflex leagues. I love his accuracy. I love how quick he gets the ball out. I think he's going to be a very very solid fantasy football quarterback, and I love getting him here at one two in Superflex leagues. And this is another example of the Adam Gase effect, where he leaves town and it goes from a complete dumpster fire offense that no one wants to have anything to do with to exactly the complete opposite where it's, it's just kind of like a flood, the floods that the floodgates have opened and all of a sudden these are players and a team that you actually want to have pieces of. So that, that's great. Uh, great news. I think just for the future of fantasy football that he's no longer coaching. Garrett, you're on the clock at one three. Yeah. I'm staying put uh, taking my second quarterback and that's Justin Fields all the reports that I've heard pre-draft post-draft uh, there, there was that weird little, you know, Dan Orlovsky thing that came out for like a hot second and was disproven by himself very quickly. Uh, but all the other reports are everything. This kid touches turns to gold, An incredibly hard worker. Uh, it, it, the funny thing is like, you saw his press conference and he didn't even smile really. And somebody was like, does he hate being like in Chicago? Like, why isn't he smiling? I was like, look, Justin Fields is a very serious kid. Like everything is business to him. And that's how he was his entire career. Even Ryan day talked about that, how, you know, he wasn't one of the most like, you know, lively joking guys because he was, he was always getting down to business. And, and I think that's what they need. They need a guy in Chicago that's ready to just get work done, not play around, not mess around. And I think he's going to be the leader of that franchise uh, even, even more so by deed than necessarily being this loud local vocal leader. So I'm excited for Chicago. It's a Midwest city that their, their football has been pretty, pretty tough to watch since, since the 85 bears. I'm excited for them to finally get a quarterback. I think Justin Fields is that guy. All right. So at 1.04, I'm going to go Trey Lance. You know, we did this, uh, we did a mock before the draft happened. And with the same pick, I picked Mac Jones, assuming that he was going to be with the San Francisco 49ers. It did not turn out that way. So when he didn't and Trey Lance did, I flip-flopped these two players. I, I had mentioned that they were very close in my standings to begin with. And Trey Lance just offers a ton of upside. And I think that's also what Kyle Shanahan saw when he drafted him over Mac Jones. So, so he, he was in a pro style offense. He was a guy that took the most snaps under center out of any of these top quarterback prospects, because that's the kind of offense they, they run there. And that's something that Kyle Shanahan wants to do. He wants to get a guy under center. He wants to get him on these bootleg and rollout type of, of plays. And I know, you know, looking at Kyle, uh, Trey Lance, he's going to fit perfect into this offense. He's going to be able to do all the movement stuff. And then he's going to add rushing totals on top of that as well. So this is a very high upside, uh, maybe the highest upside uh, mm -hmm. quarterback in, in this draft. Are you guys, are you guys pretty firm on the first four picks should be quarterbacks? Cause I've, I'm in some super flex time premium drafts right now. I've seen Kyle Pitts go one, two, I've seen Najee go ahead of uh, Zach Wilson. It looks like Zach Wilson to a lot of people is the odd guy out here. He's in that Daniel Jones effect where he's going anywhere from one six to one eight in super flex leagues would blows my mind. But for me, it's these four every time like Trevor Lawrence won one every time. And then however how you like them two, three, four between Wilson fields and Lance. But to me, I think those should be the force first four picks in every draft. My opinion. 
Uh, I'm with you there as well. Obviously, there there are extenuating circumstances. If you've drafted three quarterbacks in a row and you're good at the position, you know, three years in a row you've landed the top guy or something like that, and and you and you have an absolute hole at 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 your tight end position, then go pits. You know what I mean? Or or if you're like, you landed this thing and you're you're set everywhere else and you need a, a running back and that's your last piece and go grab your top rated running back for me it's Javante Williams for you Rich it's it's Najee Harris either one of those guys is fine with me somewhere in that top four if if that's where your biggest need is and it's the last piece or something like that but but if if it just ain't a vacuum it's these four these top four guys I did a super flex mock draft with uh, Matt Hicks uh, right after the draft actually the final round we were in like round seven while we were doing it but it was a super flex draft and i ended up getting basically all the quarterbacks i i had the one two pick so i took justin fields and then at one five i took uh trey lance and then i was going to be on the clock again at one seven and almost got zach wilson he went right before me and then at 202 i got mac jones so i'm definitely on you know a same accord with you guys these these quarterbacks are all very very talented guys if it was next year Mac Jones might be the top quarterback in next year's class. Like that's, that's how good this group is. So I have no problem going with, with all the quarterbacks pretty early. All right. I'm going to clock here at one five. I'm taking Kyle Pitts. Yes. I'm taking Kyle Pitts. I've had every running back and every receiver in this draft, uh, in a in premium league. He just went number four overall in NFL draft. He was the first skill position player off the board in the NFL draft. That was not a quarterback or any position that wasn't a quarterback because he's a generational talent. Goes to a really good situation. Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, who's getting a little bit older, not going to be there for much longer. But again, a very good situation. This man will be a focal point of this offense. Definitely when Julio leaves, he is the next high-end tight end. And anytime you get a high-end tight end in super flex tight end premium leagues, they're worth more than QB2s. You would start, if Kyle Pitts turns into Travis Kelsey, you're starting him over most quarterbacks as it is. This is a high-end player, a high-end pick. Like Matt said, if you're good on quarterback, this should be the next selection. I'm not taking any other position besides quarterback in a tight end premium league over Kyle Pitts. He's too talented. He's too good. He's pretty much Calvin Johnson playing tight end. I absolutely love it. He's that dominant. And I use Calvin Johnson because Calvin Johnson was an absolute dominant player. That's what Kyle Pitts is cornerbacks are too small linebackers are too slow. He's a mismatch wherever you put him on the field. That's equal to a ton of fantasy football production. And I love him getting here at one five. I'm on the clock at one six. And before I talk about Javante Williams, which is my selection at one six, I did want to ask Matt, I thought I heard you say it just a second ago, but I wanted to make sure, is it still Javante over Najee for you or, or has that switched? It hasn't switched. No, Javante is still my number one. Okay, I wasn't sure because I know for some people they hated the Denver landing spot, which I don't think it's that bad at all. Uh, but there were some people that were like, oh, he's definitely moving down my board. I saw, you know, a one QB league where he was taking it like six or seven. Uh, and I was kind of puzzled by that. Like, I think that's where he should go in a super flex league is around six or right. seven. So, uh, yeah, I'm taking Javante Williams. I talked about him uh, on, whoops, 
taking my uh, my earbuds out as well, apparently, as I'm ah. as I'm talking here. But uh, I, I still absolutely love Javante Williams. I don't think that it's a bad landing spot in the least. Uh, I, I like what Denver's doing. They uh, just bolstered their line by taking uh, Quinn Merritt's in the, in the third round, which is a guy that has really soared up boards. And uh, I think he's a talented player. I know Melvin Gordon is going to be a little bit of a pain for a little bit uh, that, that first year, but I just think he's basically as good as, you know, Melvin Gordon was as a rookie and, but now he's 28 years old. So you get, you get a younger, fresher, you know, better at this point in his career version of Melvin Gordon. So I'm, I'm very excited to, to still be able to get him at one six. I know for some people, there's a couple players they might have high. I've heard some people that, you know, fell in love with the, some of the receivers that they might take over some of these running backs, but he's still going to be my guy at one six. And at one seven, uh, you know, I'm going, I'm going Najee Harris. I'm still going running backs here. Uh, you mentioned people falling in love with the wide receivers. There's just, there's just a lot more volume there. There are more wide receivers available. That's why, that's why these guys keep getting pushed up. That's why Najee Harris got pushed up. And on top of that, he's a very good player as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I think you mentioned it, Garrett, a bunch of times that he's very safe. And that is how I feel. Even even behind the Pittsburgh offensive line, which isn't the best, they did spend a third and fourth round draft pick uh, to, to bolster that offensive line a bit. But it's not the best offensive line. They used to be a dominant offensive line. They've had a lot of turnover there. Um, a lot of people have walked out the door there in, in the past couple of years. So, I mean – Obviously, right now, Najee, he might not be what he is in three years, and, and that's okay with me. You know what I mean? You're, you're getting him, you're getting him here at seven. That's a great spot. He's going to be a high end guy for the next probably five years. He's one of the. I don't think he's a two to three year window guy. You know what I mean? I think he's, but he's not like a ten year guy. I think he's right. kind of in the middle somewhere. And, and by the time he's hitting his stride this team is going to look completely different. The offensive line is going to be much better. The, the quarterback situation is going to be completely different. So uh, that's why I'm taking Najee here. Yeah. Love that pick. I'm on a clock here at one eight and I'm taking Devonte Smith, my number one receiver on the board. Again, it's one a one B with chase. So I don't be like, Oh, you don't like Jamar chase. I love him equally here. Uh, Jamar chase finds himself in a little bit more of a crowded situation. I know he's got that rapport with Joe Burrow. I know him and Joe Burrow at 1700 yards, 20 touchdowns. I love it, but I love T Higgins too. He's just too good. And they got Joe Mixon, a very fine running back. So I'm going Devonte Smith where he's going to do an ego situation where he's the number one receiver in that team, but not a whole lot of competition. I mean, Jan Rager is a nice receiver, but he's not Devontae Smith. They got two very talented tight ends, but Zach Ertz isn't going to be there much longer. And Miles Sanders has a lot of talent, but he's got to still prove that he could do it that next level at the NFL. And they bring in a guy like Kenneth Gainwell, who could possibly take away some of his receiving ability. I think Devontae Smith is the best weapon on this offense. And I think right away he's going to be the number one guy and be force-fed targets from a guy he already has some rapport with and a guy like Jalen Hurts too. So I think Devontae Smith has come in right away, help your dynasty team, help your fantasy team, potentially give you wide receiver two numbers right out the gate, which is pretty much unprecedented nowadays versus the wide receiver position. I think worst case, he's a wide receiver three this year, but I think Devontae Smith is going to give you something what a lot of rookie receivers can't do, and that's be able to plug and play into your lineup from day one. So I'm taking Devontae Smith here at 1-8. All right, and that left uh, Jamar Chase for me. 
uh, at one nine. And it's, it's so close between the two guys. I also have uh, Devonta Smith uh, or a little bit higher than I do Jamar chase, but this is a passing offense that is going to chuck the ball a ton. They had 581 pass attempts last season. I get it that Tyler Boyd's there. I get it that T Higgins are there. I think both of those guys will be taking a lot of targets, but there's still plenty to go around uh, for, for a guy like Jamar chase. He already has the rapport with Joe Burrow. It was a guy that, you know, Joe was really pushing for them to get, which I think part of that was, yeah, they were teammates, but I think he realizes how talented and how special Jamar Chase is so much so that he's willing to risk life and limb by not getting soul there. Uh, he, he wanted to make sure he got that dynamic playmaker in Jamar Chase. So, and they were able to get an offensive tackle in the second round, which I think helped as well. So I, I do really still like Jamar Chase here. Uh, one of the more physically uh, dominant wide receivers in this class. And, and I mentioned it before, I wanted to make sure I had the exact stat. Yeah. 581 pass attempts from that offense last year. And let's remember that only half of those were from Joe Burrow. They probably lessened the pass attempts because the offense was poo poo under, you know, Ryan Finley and they had somebody else starting at some point. I don't remember, but you know, they're going to, they're going to be reaching 600 pass attempts this season. No doubt. Okay. So at, at 110, I'm going to go Travis Etienne. And this is another one of these situations where the running backs get a boost. You know, I, I could have gone Mac Jones and that was the guy I was kind of going in between. Um, but I, I think Travis Etienne will find himself into a much larger role than, than the Jaguars head coach is letting on at this point. So herbs, Herb's kind of given everyone, a, a, you know, the coach speech here. Uh, then you make a draft pick and, and kind of make them earn it instead of just handing them a job. So I think it's just a matter of time before Travis Etienne's explosiveness kind of wins the day there and, and takes over the, the the majority of the carries uh, in the Jacksonville back the backfield. So um, Travis Etienne here at one ten, I feel like it is pretty good value. Yeah, so I'm on the clock here at one eleven, and and I'm really torn here because. I got Jill and Waddle on the board and I want to reemphasize if you didn't watch the last show or you just watch this YouTube show or listen to this podcast where Jill and Waddle went extremely high in the NFL draft. He went one six overall, but you got to remember that it wasn't just one six. The Miami dolphins traded up to one six to get Jill and Waddle and they gave up a future first to do so. So there's a lot of draft capital behind Jill and Waddle who offer some of the highest upside here out of all these fantasy football players. But that being said at one eleven. There's not a lot of opportunities you get in super flex leagues to get rookie quarterbacks that were first round picks this late in the draft. And I just can't pass up Mac Jones, especially the fact where, yeah, do I love Mac Jones as a fantasy football prospect? Not a ton, but I do love him with Bill Belichick because if Bill, anybody's going to build an offense on a quarterback of his similar style, which is going to be that, you know, essentially a Tom Brady style a quarterback who you're not going to have move around a lot. He's going to get the ball out quick and be very smart with the football and make good decisions is what are they going to do to build around Mac Jones for the long-term future here? Who's your first round pick. This is the guy for the, the Patriots going forward for the next four years, probably at least. So for me, this is trade as much as I love Jalen Waddle. I can't pass up on a quarterback like, like Mac Jones, who's going to be throwing a ton of footballs to his, to James white and his tight ends. 
And then they're going to find out who else they're going to throw the football from 22 and beyond because there's nobody else to really throw the football to unless Nikhil Harry can take a big step forward. But he's got to get those cement blocks off his feet to do so. So for me, I'm taking Mac Jones here, and I feel very good about it because I just got a young first-round quarterback at 111. And I'm picking at 111, so this is my natural pick. I'm already a contender. He's going right to my taxi squad, and I can sit on for a little bit and let that value grow. And either I use him down the road or he shows enough where I can now move this piece for any other piece that I need, whether it be tight end, running back, or wide receiver, either straight up or in a package deal, to guarantee or put me in the best position to win the championship for 2022-2023. And you made my life easy because it was going to be down to whoever was left between Mac Jones and Jalen Waddle. So uh, I'm glad you took one of those two guys to make my life a lot easier. So you went with Mac Jones. I ended up going with, with Jalen Waddle, and he, he did move up a spot. Maybe it was two spots. I, I don't remember if he ended up being four or five for me uh, pre-draft. I'd, I'd go back and check. But uh, he did move up a spot. I, I really love him getting paired up with, with Tua Tungavailoa. I love what's going on in that, that Miami offense. And I think he can be a, a low A dot guy where he's getting the ball close to the line of scrimmage and then making plays. But he can also do the deep down the field stuff. Obviously, he's one of the fastest players we've seen in the past few drafts uh, come out. So he's very special in that sense. Still really solid route runner. A little more wiggle than, than your typical straight line speed guys. So I think there's just a lot that he can offer and it's just really good upside, but you can make an argument for the next four wide receivers that go. And I really wouldn't have a big issue with it. I think all four of these guys are in really solid positions one way or another. So I like all of these guys, Jalen Waddle just presented the most upside here. And that's what I wanted to go with. Yes. Yeah, I would, I would feel different. I would have a problem. I feel like Jalen Waddle is in a tier and then there's the next tier. Cause like you mentioned all the things he does well, we're going to talk about him as a prospect in our future shows here. Um, you go back and look at, listen to our old shows, how much we like Jalen Waddle, but like you mentioned route running hands, all that, what he brings to the table. I think he, it, the fact that you're getting, you just got him at one twelve shows the depth of this class and what the quarterbacks pushing these players down could be. And I understand, you know, you're taking him ahead of a guy like Mac Jones, but we, we preach all the time when it comes to super flex quarterback is King. Now I'm taking Kings, not princes here. So Matt, you're on the clock here at 2-1. At 2-1, I'm going to go Elijah Moore. Um, it's a prospect that we all kind of universally loved. And I mentioned it before, you know, the Jets' offense went from this dumpster fire that nobody wanted to have anything to do with when Adam Gase was there, and it's completely turned around um, now that they got a fresh offensive coordinator coming in there um, in Matt LaFleur, or Mike LaFleur, rather. Um, and Elijah Moore, he just offers so much uh, – upside and and he does so much uh, good work with that ball in his hands just close to the line of scrimmage and he can also get down the field he, he's, he's a 4-3 guy he's super fast he's got great hands so I love Elijah Moore obviously getting paired up with the young rookie quarterback uh, Zach Wilson who, who you know I'm a big fan of as well so it, it's just a great situation it's not going to take him very long in my opinion to establish himself as probably the best wide receiver there on the roster and he's going to be getting a ton of targets. So I really like this, uh, like the picker, like the the player, and I like the, the landing spot. Yeah, and I, at 2-2, I'm coming in with a lot of the same things that you said, and I'm taking Rashad Bateman of the Baltimore Ravens coming out of Minnesota. This is a player that's immediately going to come into the Ravens and be the number one receiver on this team. He's, he's easily the best route runner on this team, so he should be able to get separation and get open. 
Uh, obviously, the biggest problem here is the, the Ravens offense that they run last and pass attempts, last and pass and offense, just a run first football team. And they're going to have J.K. Dobbins as the man, which I expect that to expand. And obviously, Lamar Jackson, the number one running back quarterback in the league as well. But, I mean, we saw that they, got, they were talking about the receiving position. They draft two more receivers, they add Bateman and Wallace. So maybe this is a team that wants to step it up and try to throw the football more. And they, if they're going to pay Lamar Jackson long-term, which is he he's due, they might wait till after the season to go through. And they, this might be the experiment to see if Lamar Jackson can take a step forward in the passing game before they lock him up for $40 million a year for five years. So I think Bateman, if, if Lamar Jackson is taking a step forward in the passing game, Bateman's got to be a big part of that. And he's immediately the number one receiver. He's got the draft catapult. And I absolutely love the prospect on, on film. So for me, this is an easy decision. Hate to land in spot. Don't like it, but I'm going to trust the tape. And I'm going to trust a player to rise to the top here to be the number one target in the passing game, him and Mark Andrews. So to me, I, I like this player too much not to take Rashad Bateman. Yeah, I have no problem with that at all. And, and this really ends a tier for me now, getting the guy I'm getting here with Rondell Moore at 2-3. Rondell is just such a nice fit for this offense. But more importantly, I, I do believe in the player. I do believe in his just raw athletic ability. He's crazy fast, very, very strong for, him, for his size, and very strong, period. But we saw him dominate the Big Ten as a true freshman. There's e even – Star first round players can't always say that they dominated a conference as a true freshman. It's it's absolutely wild what he was able to do. There are some injury concerns, but I see him just seamlessly coming in, becoming the wide receiver two on this offense. Still going to be a lot of close to the line of scrimmage stuff, but I think they're going to manufacture touches. And I think he's going to be the safety valve often for Kyler Murray when he's, you know, the play breaks down and he's moving around. Rondell Moore is going to be that guy that's open. And you get Rondell Moore in space, it, it gets real scary for the defenses real fast. So I, I really, I think it's a, a slam dunk pick. And we're starting to see that depth dwindle. You know, the, the first round, beginning of the second round are real nice. And then you get to that middle of the second round and then it's just that depth is gone. Says you two four. I'm going Terrace Marshall, <laughs> <laughs> wide receiver Pittsburgh or, or Pittsburgh, uh, wide receiver Panthers. Um, so yeah, we mentioned it on the other podcast that you know obviously Joe Brady is there as offensive coordinator, and he knows Terrace Marshall well from from his time as LSU offensive coordinator. So we went and snatched this guy in, in the second round, uh, later in the second round. I think it was 27th or something like that. But it's it's a nice fit. Obviously, Robbie Anderson is there now, um, but this is his last year in um, you know on his contract anyway with the Panthers. And Terrace Marshall, I think, is a is a perfect fill in guy and kind of fits the mold of Robbie Anderson and get downfield. He's big, he's fast. Um, you know, he does have some consistency issues with his hands. I think close to the line of scrimmage, but it doesn't show up as much when he when he's downfield. So I think Terrace Marshall is going to be a nice little fit there with the Panthers. Um, you know, not only this year, but, but in the, in the future as well. Well, I was just saying, I just actually just made a rookie draft pick in one of my leagues. I just, it, the draft just opened and I had to one, one for a, a pick I traded for last year. So it worked out into being a one, one. You gotta love that one QB league. I took Najee Harris. Oh, wow. thank you. Thank Look you. Hold you. the after the show, please. Yeah. Uh, I'm on a clock next year. Now that the fact that Terrace Marshall has gone here, it makes me a little upset because that's, that's who I was hoping to fall to me here. 
Now we did this draft early this afternoon and I took Trey Sermon at two, where are we at? Two, five. I took two, five. five. Yep. So that the pick is in. That's what I take. I'm going to caveat that though. I think I would flip flop it now. If I had to go back, I would probably take Michael Carter here because he is, I love that, that all the reason I said why I like Zach Wilson and I love that outside zone scheme that Carter is going to be in. And there's a little bit of a mix with Raheem Mostert right away there uh, with San Fran, but I'm okay. They're very close to me. So I took Trey Sermon here. And the reason being is he's in San Francisco. They traded up to get him. They gave up two fourth round picks to get him. This is a system where Kyle Shanahan, any running back they have there, they produce. When he was in Atlanta, their running backs produce. When he was in Cleveland, the running backs produce. Anywhere Kyle Shanahan falls, you have a very relevant fantasy football running back uh, under his coach, under his coach in tutelage. So to me, the fact that they traded up with him tells me here in the third round, which we all know is good draft capital for running back, that he's going to be the guy here in San Francisco in some aspect. And I will take that because he made stars out of Raheem Mostert. Jeff Wilson, guys that were helping you win championships. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm trying to win some championships. I think Trey Sermon, where again, his tape wasn't something I overly loved, but good enough vision in this system that he could produce good enough hands where he could produce. So I'm taking Trey Sermon here for the San Francisco 49ers, uh, a starter running back potential in the second round. I just can't pass up definitely in the second round. So I'm taking Trey Sermon. At 2-7, I'm taking Amon Ra St. Brown. Amon Ra was my wide receiver seven coming out. So I talked about that tier that I had. He was the very beginning of the next tier. Really loved his tape. When we talked about Amon Ra, I kept gushing about just how smooth and efficient he is. Gets off the line really well. And I saw him drop a little bit in the draft. And I, and I was very, very perplexed as to why he was dropping. I thought for sure that he was going to get that day two capital. And ended up getting snatched up very, very early on day four. And even though I've, I've mentioned a bunch of times, landing spot isn't going to change much for me. This was just such a juicy landing spot that it was, it, it kept him exactly where I had him, which I probably would have done anyway, but it, it just helped affirm that because I think Amon Ra legitimately could potentially have the most targets out of any of the rookie wide receivers in year one. There's just like the, the depth chart right now is Quintess Cephas, Tyrell the Gazelle and Rashad Bateman. I have not heard of a room with more Jags in it than that. Not so Rashad Bateman. Yeah, oh, sorry. I, uh, but he's Br- just Rashad Perriman. Rashad Perriman. Sorry. Uh, yeah, like Geronimo Allison, I think, on the roster too somewhere. Woo, Geronimo! Yeah. Come <laughs> uh, off my roster. That, that's him falling off the team. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm all on board. I'm in Ross St. Brown train. We know he's a hard worker. Uh, comes from you know, good lineage of, of NFL players. So I'm, I'm, I'm all about Amon Ra. I'm going to have him on a lot of teams this year. Yeah. Very good value here. Very good value at two, six, probably one of those players you look back at three years from now, like how is Amon Ra St. Brown going in the second round? We all knew Detroit needed to throw the ball to somebody, obviously TJ Hawkinson, the biggest winner out of this draft, oh, yeah, everybody, absolutely. but this is really good. This is tremendous value here at two, six. Yeah, absolutely. And, and 
And at the actual two seven pick, which Garrett tried to claim for his own. Did I say that? Uh, Sorry, yeah, my I I'm gonna I'm gonna take Michael Carter. And it's for all the reasons you already said, Rich. Um, you know, I love it. I love the fit in the outside zone scheme here with the Jets. I think, you know, Michael Carter is a guy that he doesn't have as much wiggle as his running mate there in North Carolina, Javante Williams. So I think he is a guy that can get his foot, you know, get it you know, to work that outside zone, put his foot in the ground and go. And that's, that's kind of his game to a T. So I think he's going to fit really well in that offense, in that scheme. And there's just not a whole heck of a lot there in front of him as well. So, you know, it's low Michael P Ryan from, from last year and not, not a whole lot of other talented that's backs. It. Yeah. That's so, really yeah. Ty Johnson played a little bit last year and looked decent, but anytime you have a new regime, yeah. bas- basically anybody that's not a superstar are expendable. And that's and the Ty thing. Johnson does look good at times, he did. but it's so did James Robinson. What happened to him? So I, I think Don't bring the, that I think, up again. I think that's the main point soon. is that it was, it's a new regime. And even if, you know, they didn't draft LaMichael P. Ryan, they have no real Correct. ties to him. Who knows if they see him as a, a system fit or not, but they went out and drafted Michael Carter. So I, I know that they, they like him and without a lot of talent there, I'm, I'm going to pick him here and feel pretty good about it. Yeah. You got to start, you got essentially what is what I would interpret as a starter and running back at two, seven. That's yep. fantastic. I'm at two, eight. Oh, one, one guy we forgot to mention that is there and it's somebody that they're familiar with that they brought in. I know you guys don't like him much, but Tevin Coleman is there Tevin in, yep. in uh, New York and he could be a thorn in the side, especially for some of the early down work. For like, like I a said, day. Matt and just got he, pretty much a starting quarterback at running back. Got a starting quarterback. Is it Leonard Fournette? Oh my gosh, he can play tight <laughs> he can end. Play too. any position. But yeah, I mean, he, you know, we all know what he is. He's going to pull his hamstring. I, I agree. I'm just saying it's a guy that he had on his old offense that he brought with him. Yeah. I, so I think it's a good guy to have in a running back room to say, hey, this is how you run. Run it. I can't do it anymore, but this is how you run it. Uh, <laughs> oh my hamstring. Yep. Oh my hamstring hurts. What, what happened to it? Did you pull it? Nah, it's, it's never, they never reattached it to the bone. It's always <laughs> loose. Um, so I'm at a clock here at two, eight, and I'm really torn between Kadarius Tony at wide receivers, got the first round capital and Pat Fryermuth. And the reason I have Pat Fryermuth here is who I'm selecting is because it's tight end premium. And I like Kadarius Tony a ton and I like his upside, but again, when I'm in tight end premium leagues at the back in the second, if I have an opportunity at a guy, on a team that's been looking for a, a tight end for a while, Mike Tomlin hasn't really had anything since Heath Miller there at the position who they invested in second round draft capital when they desperately need offensive line help, which is so they saw this was a clear win at the position where that from it comes a ratings ranking standpoint. I just like Pat Fryermith too much. He, he looked really good at Penn state an all around bona fide tight end who might offer some of that Rob Gronkowski upside. You know what I mean? Like that big bodied, moving tight end, a uh, uh, Hunter Henry plus kind of guy. So for me, getting a Pat Firemuth here, if in a tight end premium league, if he if he could turn out to be anywhere from tight end six to eight, he's given me in a tight end premium league wide receiver two numbers, which is what I expect Tony to kind of be here. So to me, I will take the more shallow position and take Firemuth. It was really close for me. I wanted to take Tony, but being tight end premium, I got to go with one of my tight ends here and take Pat Firemuth the Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah. I can't blame you at all. Uh, I ended up then taking Kadarius Tony right after it. Part of it is you get to the end of the second round and you're getting a first round wide receiver, like just, just on draft capital alone, even if you're not a fan, it just screams value. And I think at some point you just have to gobble up value where you can. And I I do think that, and I'm also a, a, 
my approach to fantasy football is basically top half of the second round and down, obviously, into the first round. I want to make sure those picks hit. But after that, I'm just going for upside. Like, I really don't care about anything else after about 2-5, 2-6 range. I really don't care about anything else other than upside. And Kadarius Tony is one of those guys that just has some crazy upside. Will he be a little bit boom or bust at times? Probably. But it's it's an ascending offense with a young quarterback, young running back, some young other receivers. and But yet there's really no as true established pass catchers there. He could play real well early. He could establish himself as the main guy. Or I could be lighting this pick on fire. I really don't know, but the upside is just too much to pass on at 2-9. Yeah, and it's t- it go two ways here. I mean, like you said, it, it's too good of value here. I was really torn not taking them there ahead of Fryermuth. And it go two ways. I mean, th- we, we saw a player in a similar position over the last couple of years, a guy like last year, Brandon Ayuk, right? Yep. First-round draft capital, still slipped in a lot of drafts. Now look at him. Everybody wants him on their dynasty roster. Or it can be like a Josh Dotson, really good high draft capital, does Marquise nothing. Brown. A Marquise Brown, same as that. It can go either way. So, yeah. but right now I'm with you. You can't pass on it. Matt, you're on the clock. Uh, so at 210, I'm going to go Amari Rogers. And, you know, what this is obviously um, a guy that we liked pre draft and, and he fell in a great situation in Green Bay. Well, we think it's a great situation. Probably. If Aaron Rodgers is there, it's a great situation in Green Bay. If it's not, then it's a horrible situation because, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of Jordan Love. Uh, obviously, there, there's been talks that he's just so erratic in practice that even the backup quarterback might be the guy to take over if Aaron Rodgers, the other backup, I can't remember his name, um, if Aaron Rodgers was to, like, yeah, to retire uh, suddenly. So Amari Rodgers, obviously, now I feel – yeah, you know, 210. There's a ton of upside there. There is some volatility just based on the situation with Aaron Rodgers. Um, but I still feel like it offers enough upside that uh, that I'm pretty lucky to get him here at 210. All right. I'm on a clock with my last pick here at 211. I'm taking Nico Collins. Uh, if you've been listening to Dicer's podcast or watching our YouTube channel, you know that I'm a big Nico Collins fan. And I had him somewhere right around here. I said, by the time the draft rolls around, I hope I can still get him right somewhere in the back end of the second round for me. And this is right where he slides into. He, he gets, he gets decent for a guy who got opted out of 2020 gets drafted in the third round. A uh, guy coming out of Michigan who didn't show a lot while I was there, but I really like what I saw on tape, the big body receiver. They don't have a lot there. They have Brandon cooks. They still got Isaiah Coulter. Who's another uh, young prospect that I like. We don't know what's going on there at the quarterback situation. It sounds like from going forward, Deshaun Watson will not play for the Houston Texans ever again, but they got uh, Terod Taylor there for now. They have Davis Mills there as well. Again, this is dynasty. So where Nico Collins is going to take, take some time to acclimate to NFL for not playing for a year. I'm looking for him to be that big body number one receiver on that team for the 2022 season, whoever that QBB may be. But the, the, what's good about this as well is, this team is really bad. So they're constantly playing from behind and they're going to be constantly throwing the football a ton. And right now I like Nico Collins talent against anybody. I mean, obviously Brandon cooks is the best receiver on the team, but I would take Nico Collins over Isaiah Coulter. And that's a guy who I like coming out as well. So for me, a player that I loved pre-draft process, I was higher on most than most were finally lands in a really good spot with opportunity. And by opportunity, I mean, quicker path to the starting lineup and should see a ton. If he gets in the starting lineup, this seems to be playing from behind all the time. should see a ton of targets, which are going to equal to fantasy football production. Nico Collins is exactly where I want him right here at the back end of the second. 
Some leagues I'll probably be able to get him in the top of the third because they don't like him as much as me. But I love his landing spot and I love the player. Happy to take him here at 211. He would have been he would have been my pick at 212. And at 212, I really, really struggled with who to take. There were a lot of the options that I liked had dried up. You know, I was hoping maybe Amari Rogers, maybe Nico, maybe, you know, some of these guys might fall. They didn't. There's really not a lot of running backs left. I could maybe make an argument for Kenneth Gainwell, uh, you know, in, in Philadelphia. I, I could maybe make an argument for uh, Cornell Powell, who ended up getting drafted by the Chiefs. I, I really like that. But I, I drafted this guy because, one, I do like him. He ended up coming in with my, I believe, 12th highest or 13th highest nerd score at the position. But we also didn't get a chance to talk about him at all uh, during the, the pre-draft process. And I just evaluated his tape just in time to get a nerd score. And so I was glad I was able to do that before. But Amir Smith-Marset uh, out of Iowa. Iowa is a school that didn't produce, doesn't produce a lot of uh, high-flying offensive talent. It's, you know, offensive linemen and tight ends. Like, that, that's what they produce. They're not producing a lot of quarterbacks. They're not producing a lot of receivers and not many running backs. It's, you know, you don't see that a lot. But Amir Smith-Marset is a fantastic athlete. He's got good size that he's, he's six foot and a half. And I just really, really enjoyed his tape. His numbers weren't, you know, off the wall or anything like that. But he, mo- he had a good chunk of the team's market share. He ended up going in the fifth round here to Minnesota. And I also really liked that landing spot because Minnesota one is a team that has utilized low round uh, wide receivers in the past. Stephon Diggs was a fifth round wide receiver. Uh, Adam Thielen went undrafted. So I, I, it's a team that I think that they are willing to invest in some of those guys but I also think that uh, with Adam Thielen being a little bit older, he's going to be turning 31 this year. And outside of that, it's guys like Chad Beebe and Ola B.C. Johnson and just a bunch of Jags that there is a lot of upside in his game and the opportunity that I, I think we could see something end up happening here at 212. And that's it. That's our first round, uh, two round rookie mock draft. There's still a lot of guys here to, that you can consider. We like all three quarterbacks here in Davis Mills, Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask offers some good value here. There's some receivers still on the board here. Running backs, maybe you need to run back like a guy like Ramondre Stevenson's in a really good spot. Austin Watkins is like good second round, uh, fourth round value here. But a lot of good players still here, still on the board as we if we would enter the third round. Definitely. All right, that's it. We'll be back next week breaking down all these players in order, how we have them ranked. Can't get way to it. Make sure that like button, subscribe button. Make sure to catch all our dynasty content. And we'll be back next week. Adios. Sorry about that. I apparently wasn't expecting to still be podcasting at 11.50, so my fault. Okay. All right. Is Hunter, is Hunter Long not in our tight end premium rookie ranks? I think he was out of it.